cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. I'm JCM Jones from Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer is over there. Uh, Say hey, Joe. Hi. 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 Well, that sucked. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. What did you do? What did you do afterwards? I was, I don't know. I just kind of just slowly shut your laptop computer. Yeah. I closed it. I was at Elder Tree. I kind of walked out and just drove home and in in silence and just went home and kind of put down my phone for a bit and didn't really look at it and drew the curtains. It was. It didn't feel good. I wanted to be I wanted to be really excited and be able to to play the J. Sam Jones character the rest of the night, you know, because <laughs> Lorinowitz scored. Right. That's supposed to be my moment. But Wayne Rooney just took a big old English dump all over that. So not a whole lot I could do. Yeah, English dumps are the worst, too. You can as you can imagine they would they would be. Just the the smelliest. With the fish and chips and I want to say haggis. Haggis, yeah. (laughs) And that that brown sauce. Right, right, right. That shit. That shit will make your shit smell terrible. If there's anything this show is, it it, it is multicultural. That's I will say that. I will say that. Uh you could also say it might be the English dump of Atlanta United podcast. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, no, not a good one. A 3-1 loss to D.C. United up at Audi Field. Lane United has never won in D.C. still, ever. Oh, my God. I did not realize that. Yep, I kind of realized it as I was saying it, but that's true. That's very, very true. I I want If we ever gotten a result, I can't remember. I'll have to look back at that in a second. But D.C. continues to be the boogeyman. We thought we had vanquished that we thought we had gotten rid of, of the monster under the bed but going back up to dc has seemed to kind of reawaken that and everyone real upset and real kind of disoriented by the fact that tata has been out coached by ben olsen four times out of six yeah but uh at least tata you know like alpha him in the game which was fun. a little bit of a a friendly English dump of, of words towards Ben Olsen there. Uh, yeah. Good gift of that, by the way. Go find that. Go find that. We're not going to repeat it on here because we're a family show. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, of course not. Tata obviously real upset too with everything, but I don't know what other reaction you could have t- to last night. We got burned a whole bunch of times. Rooney was phenomenal. Lucho Acosta was phenomenal. There were no real refereeing decisions we could really look at and go, oh, this this really turned things around. We just got whipped, man. We just yeah. got whipped. Molly whopped. And we're already going into our listener questions, which starts with Micah Garner, who who says uh, WTF happened. I, I think that, in, in my opinion, um, the game was, it was really two games. It, or it was two, we saw like two Atlanta Uniteds. One was 
an Atlanta United we've seen a lot this year, which is a team that is, you know, good and good in possession, moving the ball decently, maybe not as fast as you would quite like to see, but still looking dangerous, threatening, um, but looking kind of skittish in front of goal and then ultimately not taking the chances that they created for themselves. Um, that was what we saw up until the Ezekiel Barco penalty decision in the second half. Um, and I don't we can talk. Maybe we can talk about the, the, the decision later. Um, but at, but regardless of the regardless of that event, it was after that goal. We saw a completely different Atlanta United team, one that was um, much sloppier in terms of their organization. They were really pushing up far too high when they shouldn't have been in certain situations. Uh, just not a great per- or not a good performance at all. It was honestly, it was more like a capitulation from that point on in the game. So it was a strange one in that sense, and that we kind of saw these like two very contrasting identities maybe not totally contrasting to be honest because neither one was great but at least like in the beginning of the game or the first half you know we saw a team that we kind of recognized and in the second half the second half we didn't here's my thing i'm i'm gonna somewhat disagree that's fine there and saying that we haven't recognized that before because in the beginning of our last meeting with dc united there were plenty of opportunities that just barely went awry for DC that could have very easily have turned into what we saw last night, where they're getting out in the counter, they're finding space on the wing. Uh, someone up top is holding the ball up and playing them forward. In Atlanta, those passes found Michael Parkhurst or Leandro Gonzalez-Perez or someone else back there to somewhat slow it up or, or cut it off completely. This time, we got burned. We got burned. But it very easily, I think, could have happened in Atlanta uh, a few times, a few times. Unfortunately, it didn't. And then our finishing was a lot better. And we were able to get on the board and, and snuff it out by the end of the game. But second half Atlanta was very similar to first 25 minutes Atlanta versus D.C. United back at home a few weeks ago. Do you, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. What, what I, I guess what I meant to say is that like, when you look at the game, you're going to see, like, when you look at the box score afterwards, you're going to see what you typically see from Atlanta, which is them outshoot the opponent, outshoot on target, uh, the opponent outpossess the opponent, obviously. Um, but those things don't necessarily tell the story of the game. And I guess that that's kind of maybe like, yeah, what you're, what you're getting at. Um, and I understand that. And I don't I'm not trying to say that, like, um, this was a like even a good performance for the first half. Like, I don't think it was. Um, but it was it was just like a it was the kind of game we'd seen before um, in terms of Atlanta doing things and not really capitalizing. And in that way, it's frustrating. And then in the second half, it, it went from like a frustrating game to just like a. a just a, a like a total horseshit performance um, yeah. in this in late in the second half, you know, things just got so crazy I, I, when Barco, it's so much of it kind of falls on him um, because when this team, when he's in the lineup, he is really key to the team in a defensive role. Like, like any whatever players Tata Martino puts out there, he needs those attacking midfielders to be, um, trying to win the ball back as soon as they can after they lose it. 
And when Barco, when things start going wrong for Barco, he gets frustrated and he like when when he gets possessed or he makes an incomplete pass or something like that, you know, he puts his head down in frustration or he just kind of like goes, he sulks, you know, for a half a second. And that's all the time DC United needs to either be able to like keep the ball and comfortably build their possession again or just spring a full on counterattack while our guys are out of position. And I think that's what we saw. We saw that combination of our defenders kind of being out of position because they're pushing up very high along with not getting the pressure that we needed immediately after losing the ball from the attacking midfield. So it created chances for DC to, you know, find runners and find, find Wayne Rooney. He was, he, he distributed the ball very well when they were able to get the ball to him up top. So yeah, I mean, it was just um, not the kind of performance you want to see, but again, this is, this is MLS and these things are just, going to happen i mean i know people don't like to hear hear that but um you 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 don't want you never want to see this right like you 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 never want to see your team perform this way but i have a strong feeling that this team will bounce back um and we'll see a much different type of performance it was just a i think it was just the frustration started to build and build and build and then it was just like heads gone at a certain point yeah and Speaking of Barco and just not getting back, I, I do want to kind of point out too that that whole left side was just miserable last night. I, if I'm remembering right, at least two of the goals, uh, including the penalty, came from these long runs on the left side, just a ton of open space. And of course, that's McCann and that's Barco on that left side uh, in a lot of cases. And uh, McCann getting caught out position, Ezekiel getting caught out position. Uh, why was Ezekiel the first one back on the penalty there to even be in that kind of position to, you know, clip Areola, which it was Areola, I think, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a whole lot of, like you said, just people not being in the right spot at all and really frustrating, especially on that left side to see Barco, like you said, not pressing once he loses the ball and then Chris McCann. I don't know, trying to make jokes to people in the front row instead of playing defense. Um, no one can fucking hear him anyway because he's Chris McCann. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, a, it's really good to point out that I, I think Chris McCann was poor in the game, yeah. um, which kind of gets overlooked a lot of times because, you know, it's not really interesting to talk about the play of like Chris McCann or or defenders in general. Um and I think that there were some mistakes made. You know, Jeff Lorenowitz made a huge mistake losing track of the run of uh, who was it? Uh, Lucho Acosta, I think, for on the on the goal that he had at the beginning of, to to open the scoring. Just losing a, a marker on um, on a goal kick. It was just a, a nothing play. Yeah. So luckily, Jeff Lorenowitz, like like the true man he is, got that goal back for Atlanta. So no harm now, I suppose. The highlight um, of the night. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I think that you know, it, obviously, th- people will, will point to Barco as you know an issue in the game, and rightfully so. I'm not saying he was good or anything, but I think that yeah. there are you can like there was no one that played very well, to be honest. Yeah, no, not at all. It, it, except on the other side, of course, with Rain Rooney, who I'm looking at it right now. He had the header that sent on Acosta on that first goal, and then of course, you know, led in, to the other two goals, and. and finished off the penalty for one of them. He was just incredible as far as hold-up play went last night. Um, 
Yeah, Which and I worse because I don't want to see Wayne Rooney do do freaking anything, man. Like just to see him be successful was equally night ruining as anyone else. Which leads to me leads me to a question here: Where does this rank on your pantheon of frustrating Atlanta United games this season? Because I think it might be number one for me. Because I there were moments last night where I have I the phrase down here, Joe Patrick. I know you're from up north or you have family up north, all that kind of thing. But the phrase down here is dog cussed. And I dog cussed a few people last night on our own team. Dude, I said some bad things about people. I feel really not good about it. Yeah, you know, I I think like this game was the one that felt most like that Houston game of any game we've played this season. Sure. Yeah, I think absolutely. just just even aesthetically, the way we were getting caught out, you know, the way that we just looked disorganized, the way that we looked like not cohesive with one another guys trying to do their own things a lot mm-hmm. of times and just not a lot of, yeah, just not, just not a lot of uh good teamwork being displayed. Um, yeah. I think that that reminded me, uh, it, this reminded me of that game a lot. So it's hard for me to like that one was, that was very bad uh, for obvious <laughs> reasons, but it was more palatable because it was the first game of the season. You know? Yeah. Right. So you can kind of, you can understand that you can understand the context around that. It This one is like concerning because we're in the stretch run of the regular season. And when you perform that poorly, it, you know, you don't expect your team to, to show up like that, especially when you're a team like Atlanta United who's, who's challenging to try to win the supporter shield as the best team in, in the league. So yeah. yeah, it's hard to find. It's hard to, it, I, those two, the, you know, this one last night and, the the Houston game are I've got to be the the top two you know the the worst I've felt after a game for sure yeah. this season for sure I'm gonna put the Seattle game up there with just frustration just with how silly that got at points with time wasting and things like that uh, but the Houston game for me the Houston game for me was funny in a lot of ways <laughs> because there was so much hype after the season and then of course you know with all the moves he'd made in the off season. And then for us to come out just so, so flat and you knew people were going to overreact and you knew people were going to lose their minds over the first game of the year. And by the end of it, it was much more Walter White in the crawl space laughing, you know, just from realizing the situation that he's in rather than being extremely upset with anything. With this one, I was just pissed. I was just angry the whole time. It, can we get, can we, Let's 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 move on to some questions. Let's move on to some questions. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one comes from at Gunslinger nineteen, who says, "Is Rooney really as good as he looked against us, or was that a fluke? He seemed to pick us apart effortlessly." Joe Patrick, thoughts? Yeah, I I couldn't tell you a time that he looked much better. I guess um, I thought we actually had him un- under control for a decent amount. Of the game, of the early portions of the game, I thought Leandro Gonzalez Perez was doing a good job, kind of staying on his back, you know, and not like giving him too many touches on the ball, because I think that they knew exactly the kind of danger that he would pre- present to them if they, you know, if they allowed him time on the ball. So um, I think they kind of like had a game plan, but they didn't weren't able to stick to it. Um, and yeah, Rooney was Rooney was a killer. I mean, yeah. 
And of course, it, it becomes a lot easier when just leaving them acres of space on the wing. I'm looking at the Areola goal right now, and, and where the heck is Chris McCann? Chris McCann's like in the middle of the park, and Ezekiel Barco is just sprinting as fast as he can to try to get back on Areola, and of course clips him at the end there. And then the other goal is just a ton of space on the left side again because Chris McCann's way up the field like a dummy. LGP's on his back. LGP's on Rooney's back the whole time, but it doesn't matter when you can just turn and flick the ball on and you can run 30 yards into space. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I don't know if Wayne Rooney was that good. I don't know. He's obviously, you know, he's slow. He's not world-class anymore by any means, but he's still got that ability to, to hold the ball up and just immediately turn it on and play a pass into space. You know, because he at one point was a world-class player. He's still very talented, but man, we sure helped him out a lot, making him look good last night with allowing him uh, just acres to breathe. Yeah. I mean, I I think that that's kind of like Wayne Rooney's thing is he's not, he's not flashy, right? Like he's not, he's not like pulling off skill or, you know, doing things like that, but he's just, he kind of, he's able to, you know, use his, his soccer IQ or soccer brand or whatever and find, but it's, yeah, like, like you said, like he was finding some like wide open guys. It's not like, um, I wouldn't say, yeah. When I, when I said he kind of, he, he, he did well against us. He, he was just, he was, he was taking what Atlanta was giving him really. Um, yeah. and it wasn't, yeah. Like, like you said with McCann, it's, it's tough. I, I hate those situations. I hate it for Leandro Gonzalez Perez. And he, we saw the frustration he had with Barco at one point where like, he's just getting left on an Island. I felt bad. for him. He was just, he was like being asked to defend two or three guys at once. Um, right. it must've been so, so very frustrating night for him in particular. And I think uh, I'm, this is, Completely hypothetical, and please correct me if I'm wrong. But Atlanta United has gotten so used to, I think, the teams sitting back on them. The the fullbacks become used to it, and, you know, you'll push up a little bit, and you'll, you'll keep pushing up because that's what you normally do because you're normally in possession the entire time. You're normally attacking because you're trying to break down eight, nine, ten people. But maybe some complacency kind of set in there with just kind of you got into a bad habit of pushing up, but DC hasn't bunkered this year. They, they've not done it any of the times we've seen them and they've been able to get out on the counter a couple of times because of that, because we've gotten is the word arrogant or, or cocky. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe just in a bad habit, like I said, of getting too far forward, especially on the wings. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely right. I mean, we've talked about, um, or actually the, the Atlanta United players have talked about, in fact, I, I was, talking to who was it It was uh chris mccann that i was talking to this week at training and he said that you know last year when teams came into mercedes-benz stadium they didn't really adjust they didn't adjust their game they kind of just came out and played the way they normally would and atlanta united in just such good form playing on that bigger field at home uh was just able to light teams up was just able to really open up teams and i think yeah and i think that that's maybe something that we saw yesterday was Atlanta needing to adapt its they don't need to adapt the style in which they play but they need to make some tweaks in terms of where certain players are positioned in order to you know cover cover for the opponent to to respect the opponent and make sure that um 
that they're that they're defending properly um, and in the proper in the in the proper positions. And we just didn't see that yesterday. Like, I, I think that that's totally right what you said. And I think that, yeah, maybe it is a little bit of arrogance or even like laziness, like like mental laziness to just not be thinking like, oh, yeah, like this team is, you know, we might not be able to do what we normally do, just go through our normal routine, you know, because it's hard to. It, I, I think part of you as like a manager or a, even a player, you want to be able to like have a routine of like going into a game, you know, in, in training, doing certain things and being comfortable with what you're doing week to week to week. And so I understand like not wanting to make huge adjustments, but I do think like when you're going against a team like DC United, who's going to play three or four attacking midfielders, you do need to kind of, you know, you, you need to respect them and you need to, you need to adjust a little bit. It doesn't mean you need to throw, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and change, like go into a bunkering system. But you need to, you know, you need to make a tweak. Maybe maybe this would have been a game for a three, five, two. I don't know. I mean, but it it, it, did, it certainly didn't seem like we took that kind of like care in making sure that we, you know, had all of our bases covered. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of adjustments, the the substitutions were, again, infuriating. <laughs> just because the strange you know, one dude if i if i see us down a goal in the playoffs and kevin kratz comes on i'm throwing thing i will walk out of the press box and go down the field <laughs> or you know throw things whatever bar i have to be in but man dude <laughs> we love kevin but my gosh is it is not what you want to see when you're down yeah, I don't know why. So the reason that all those players came in was because Tata was changing the system to a 3-5-2 from a 4-2-3-1. I'm not sure why he felt that that was needed, to be honest. Um, because I feel like you still want to have wingers or, you know, you, you want that th- attacking midfield of three in there, I feel. Um, sure. Uh, that's what I would prefer. And so I would have rather just seen like, a straight swap Carlton for Barco and try to keep things together. Then you're like, to me, in my opinion, like when you're bringing on, I want to say it, I know this is like an unpopular opinion to have in the Atlanta United community, but when you're bringing on Romario Williams to play 20 minutes in a game, like, I don't know. I just don't see it with Romario Williams to be perfectly honest. And, um, I just don't want him playing that many minutes. And I don't (laughs) think he's actually like offering the team something like, I would have much rather have had Carlton on instead of Romario, just because Carlton's going to create some things and get on the ball. And yeah. Romario, every time he just get, he gets on the ball, he just seems like he kind of falls over or gets 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 the ball taken away from him. And I don't know that, that that's a whole other story. But yeah, I, I yeah. kind of agree that like I don't think we needed to see that system change to be honest. But you know, Tata knows more soccer than I do, so. Who might have questioned the guy? But it was at least nice to see uh, George Bello get get his MLS debut. I, that was the one I was happy about. The other two yeah, I can do without. But that was good to see. But but don't forget, we can always we can always question the manager, no matter what. The, That's the true. Thing about yeah, we're not helicopter pilots. But if you saw a helicopter in a tree, you, you'd probably think the pilot fucked up. So if if we see Atlanta United in, in a tree, <laughs> we we can we can point that out. That's a good point. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, maybe we should have gone Carlton for Barco, Bello for McCann. And then maybe I don't know. Maybe you do bring in Romario late for for Tito or something, but like I would have rather seen those just as like straight swaps. Um, yeah. 
instead I, of <laughs> you said that and i thought about what that starting level would look like and i kind of my first thought was you know they should have just started uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that might be getting ahead of myself barco barco had a weird barco barco is the most gray area soccer player i think i've ever had to kind of deal with as a fan you know because he does do so much but you want so much more from him that's tangible you know the, the dude still completes and you had a great stat about this but six key passes last night Chance, the next closest person had two you know uh so he was obviously doing things but at the same time he was the singularly most frustrating person on the field that how do you even do that <laughs> Yeah, it's like I mean, it, and that, and that's where I think it's it's the little things. Not when he's on, not so much when he's on the ball, but it, to me at least, it's when he's pressing and doing. You know, you see Miguel Almiron like charging down players all around the field, um, and you just don't kind of don't see that from Barco. Um, at least like you don't see it happen like so instantaneously after a change of after after a, a loss of possession. I think that's where for me that's where it's so frustrating like you want to see a player who when he loses the ball you immediately wants to get it back and yeah we just don't see that from Barco and and it does certainly look like he is lacking confidence in front of goal right now um boy is he he's just not even trying he's not taking attempting shots now I did see him early in the game um he when he was in his you know better moments in the game um there was one particular play where he fed Tito down the right. Tito was kind of cutting in and Barco was like calling for the ball. He like wanted it back to his feet to take a shot. Um, but Tito ended up, you know, like putting a cross in or something or maybe shooting himself. I can't remember exactly what he did, but um, well, so, so you could kind of like see Barco wanting to do it, but it doesn't seem like he's willing to take a shot unless he has like a perfect opportunity. And you just don't know when that perfect opportunity is going to present itself. It has to be like a 99.999 repeating percent <laughs> perfect opportunity. He had one chance at some point in the game. And I, th- I believe it's when we were down one still, 2-1. And it was maybe like six yards from goal. The angle was admittedly tight, but dude just froze. Dude just froze. And I I, I have never <laughs> And never you done cussed? ill will towards an Atlanta United <laughs> player, but man, I have never cursed as loudly and with as much vigor towards Ezekiel Barco in that moment. It was, man, I, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I mean, that means, you know, every, every Atlanta team has to break your heart or, you know, make you pissed off um, at some point. So, right. Right. Exactly. This is, this is only naturally less pissed off after a game I've been, all year for sure, for sure. So good job, guys, for for doing it. It's especially frustrating considering what happened with Montreal and Red Bulls over the weekend. Um, it could have been worse, but it also makes it hurt a little more just to know the fact that we could have gone up and maybe really put some distance between us and Red Bulls with with seven games left. Uh, but that's a whole other story, I guess. Apart yeah. from it, um, but, so. So you mentioned the that you would have just rather have seen Carlton and you know perhaps Bello start the game. Uh, Todd Anderson, Todd M. Anderson asked um, oh. asked us on Twitter. He's 
proposed that Carlton maybe get a start in one of the West Coast West Coast road games because we've got two coming up, you know, after this international break uh, in Colorado and then and then in Salt Lake or uh, not Salt Lake City, um, San Jose. I'd be down for that, to be honest. I would be down, but I'm not going to try and, and trick myself into thinking that Andrew is going to offer much more than Ezekiel because, again, Ezekiel has been good as frustrating as he is. And I, I keep coming back to that. And the frustration is obviously building with me if you haven't been able to tell today on this H, Dad. But he's still, God, he's still better. He's it's just flat out. He's just still better. It's hard. It's just like, it's one of those hard things to reconcile. It's like, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I agree. You can see that he's better. He's got better skill. He's got his first touch, his, like all these things. But it's these mental attributes that he's just seems to be lacking. And it's yeah. so frustrating. It, it's like, it's like one of those things since it's not a technical thing, you think, oh, well, like maybe this is the game where he puts it together. You know, right. like it makes you want to keep on giving him chances and you should like, he's a young kid. He's going to get better. He's going to, he, he eventually, he will improve. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating. It's just, it's just frustrating. Yeah. I do want to address something real quick and I don't want to take too much time with this, but I, I've seen a few things pop up on, on Reddit and stuff like that over the last couple of days that Carlton isn't playing because of supposed attitude issues or anything like that. That seems to be something that has been, created by and then resourced by the internet and no one but the internet um i'm not sure where anyone has really gotten that uh but it seems like someone started the rumor on like reddit and reddit kept like referring to reddit as the source and eventually it just kind of became true within that subculture um carlton is not not that at all at all in my opinion um so whatever weird rumor you're hearing about that Disregard it. Thank you. This has been your weekly <laughs> HDAD PSA. Cool. Awesome. Um, let's move on to another player that we can complain about or potentially praise. I'm not really sure because Teodal Football brings up a really good question and ask, is Remedi good? Is he really good or is he terrible? Hmm. It's a fine line. It's a fine line between terrible and good. Um, <laughs> he certainly wasn't good in this game. Uh, I think we've seen him be good. And in this game, he was not that uh, he uh, he didn't really miss a sitter, but he, he he got blocked on him and he didn't score a sitter. Um, and then also, like, just like defensively, he seemed absent. <laughs> That's yeah. like the best yeah. way I can describe him. Um, not in like the Carlos Carmona good way where he was absent and then all of a sudden ended up with like 15 tackles, but like just really absent. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, was not offering much support to to Laurent Edson midfield. Yeah. And then I think, again, it's like one of those things where he was pushed up. It was just it was just disorganization um, across the board. We talk about McCann being pushed up. We talk about Remedi being pushed up like these guys were just not like working as a cohesive team. Um, yeah. And it's tough. It's just, it's just, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, I don't I know. Think, I think you were spot on at the beginning. I think just everyone was bad. Everyone was bad last night. Remedi is good. Remedi is objectively very good. Oh, he's very good. good. Yeah. And has been really good. Last night was not good. It's okay. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Good it's thing it happened fr- to everyone collectively at once. I feel it's like fr- maybe yeah. everyone got rid of it. 
That's true. It's frustrating for me because I can't like identify why this happened yet. I haven't rewatched. I haven't rewatched the game yet. I've only watched it once. And to be honest, it's going to be pretty difficult to get me to watch to convince me to watch it, watch that shit show again. But I don't know what it was. I get maybe it was just like Washington, D.C. Juju that we can't seem to overcome. Gosh, I don't know, man. Don't know. Uh, We've got a few other questions, but we kind of touched on a lot of it. Um, At Coach Pib ask what appropriately asks <laughs> yes <laughs> what do you think tata drinks after that loss and perhaps a, perhaps a tall refreshing glass of mr pib oh i feel like coach pib may have been angling for that answer but i'm unsure if he's aware <laughs> of, of his own powers here uh he's got great responsibility with that last name he needs to use it better but yeah why not why not a glass of nice mr pib who Get at us if they I want. I definitely fun. think he has a sugary drink. I don't think he's drinking alcohol. I think he's drinking like something that's like totally indulgent in a very kid-like way. Uh, Tata has told me before, and I forget why this came up, but Tata has told me before that uh, he is not a beer drinker or alcohol drinker mostly. He likes tea. Big tea guy. Mm. Yeah, there you go. You're not getting that insight on any other Atlanta United podcast. That's why you guys are here. That's why you guys are here. Um, yeah, we kind of covered the rest of it. We do have one kind of fun random question from from Cherub Street. I like fun. I like fun. But it's kind of not related to, to anything. We may we may tag this at the end. How about that? Yeah, let's do it at the end. Totally. Uh, any any kind of final thoughts to kind of wrap up what we talked about a little bit here? Uh, no, I, I think that's it. It was just a bad loss. Let's hope. Let's just let's just hope that the team can recover and um, put in a better performance <laughs> in the next game. I don't know what else to say, but um, it will. Be <laughs> it's the most cliche let's thing hope. I've ever said. <laughs> I know it, it's so bad. It's so bad. I started laughing awesome at myself while I was saying it. <laughs> Um, Look, if they don't recover in these next two games against Cala Goddamn Rado and San Jose, then then screw it. The season's over. Okay, that's my opinion. DC, fine, whatever. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Jose, if we don't beat them by freaking forty, then I quit this team and I quit this stupid job that I love. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean stupid, but I quit. Cool. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did see people talk like um, immediately after, when the final whistle blew. It was like, oh, there goes Porter Shield. Porter Shield's gone. It's like, no. hold, on, guys. hold on. We're going to be okay. Maybe. We're still, uh, we still have a game in hand, too. So, I mean, we're still, realistically, we're still like two points up. Mathematically, if you project it according to like some Teotal football kind of nonsense, we're like a point up. But we're still up with that game in hand. I mean, the bottom line, and you wrote about this last week, is that it's all going to come down to the best game in MLS history on September 30th. Yep, which which it will be as long as the teams don't continue to lose that I hyped up that whole thing. <laughs> you know, um, there's still very much a very decent chance that both of them end up um, at or above the 69 points that Toronto had last year. Neat. Um, but yeah, there's still a very decent chance that could happen um atlanta could realistically lose two more games from here we could we could lose that red bulls game and also lose to something random like a like a chicago or toronto there at the end uh win the rest of them 
we still end up with 69 points, which ties us for the MLS record in points, which is insane. <laughs> but everyone will be losing their mind because we lost three games down the stretch. You know? Yeah, one of one of which is to fucking Chicago. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're frustrated when the, the, the real expletives start coming out on this stage. Yeah, that was, that was actually. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Um, should we move on to our Lorenowitz man? Yeah, I, I jump the night because you're Lorenowitz man of the night. So we can agree that no Atlanta United player is deserving of this award. Am I right? Maybe Jeff, who was Jeff and scored, and he deserves all the applause in the world for that. But maybe not. Maybe that's too obvious. Maybe that's why he's not the Lorenowitz man. He I was a little flashy. Need, I think but. in that we need to find someone who truly embodies the spirit of this award and in my opinion despite this person being a representative of the opposition to me the Lorenowitz man of the night goes to the DC United groundskeeper for really playing the understated role of strategically keeping the grass long Mm. uh, and sopping wet to keep the ball moving slowly and in the favor of DC United until immediately after the game when they cut the grass nice and short for the next game. Which Amazing I just think is a... What's that? Amazing how that works. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, that's the kind Actually. of understated... That's the kind of understated, you know, um, just cunning uh-huh. move that the Lorenowitz man really embodies. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a thing that affected so much last night. Definitely. Sounds a lot like, I don't know, like the person who freaks out about not wearing their lucky jersey or something like that and being like, oh, we lost because of that. I don't know. But again, understated is what we're looking for here. The spirit of it. The spirit spirit of it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. He was he was trying and trying is the essence of the learner. What's man? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, speaking of Jeff Lorenowitz, Jeff Lorenowitz, of course. And speaking of trying. Five strike final. <laughs> we work so hard on this name. God. When's the rebrand, man? I'm waiting for uh, the money to come in and let's just scrap the name and rebrand to something else. We'll keep the eight bad nonsense. But man, we we sure I came up with like fifteen different names that were all terrible for this thing, and we didn't pick any of them, fortunately. But we sure didn't branch out. This is the Austin FC of names. Well, that, that was better than me, who was like, I can't think of any. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, God, good times. I need to go find that list of stuff. I'll post it later. Oh, uh, anyway. Hilarious. Our quote of the night comes from Lorenowitz, who says, we watch everything. We know what's going on. We obviously focus on what we want to do on game night, but it's clear what the picture is. It was certainly an opportunity going into the break, but we'll move on. When we come back from our break, we'll do it again. I have a a question. What? How high was Jeff Lorenowitz when he said this quote? This makes (laughs) we watch everything. We. It's clear what the picture is. You didn't know that? What's that? Jeff is omniscient. Jeff is omniscient. No, he, he's referring to here. I should have asked some context, I guess. He's referring to here that uh, Red Bulls, of course, had dropped points. Uh, so he, they were just simply saying that he knew the stakes of the game going into the night, as did the rest of the team, and they failed. But they're going to come back and do it better. 
Do it better, Joe Patrick. Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep All trying. Right. Keep trying and avoid English dumps. Hashtag five strike final. Now, what our listeners might not know is that this weekend is the battle of five strike final. The uh, no. next weekend. Next weekend. Next weekend. This it's this is it not this coming weekend? No, no, it's oh. uh, like nine fifteen. I think Chirp Street's jumping the gun a little bit here, but and and not house just divided. Saturday, but Saturday house week. divided. We yes. need a house divided, <laughs> like doormat. Yeah, <laughs> for the house we don't live in together. Um, a virtual doormat of sorts. We'll figure it out. We'll have to put some kind of bet. Maybe just like a picture on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we need to do that. We'll, we'll we'll get some kind of bet or something together. Maybe Ray is like 20 bucks for the Fuji's or yeah, something. Yeah, I better be getting a lot of odds because we are talking about the the great Mississippi. Or, uh, my God. Wow. I just, <laughs> this is your alma mater you're talking about. Good Middle literally. Tennessee State, which is a terrible school, I'll admit, <laughs> against UGA. Which is a football. phenomenal school whom I love dearly. Um, Fun fact, never went to a middle Tennessee state football game while, while I was there. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. We got to get you over here to Athens for uh, for next Saturday. Uh, but yeah, Joe, MTSU grad. It's not uh, that I don't like football. It's just the games on TV were much better. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. Totally fair. This one will probably not be much better than, than anything else you're going to see on TV that day either. But we may have to get you over here for Athens to Athens somehow. Uh, but Joe, MTSU grad, me in grad school at UGA right now. Uh, big game coming up a couple weeks. We'll have to put something on the bread for that. And I think that's what Sherb Street is asking here. He asked, will Middle Tennessee State cover against UGA? Joe Patrick, what do you think? Uh, no, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. That's probably a good call. It's probably a good call, but we'll put some money down on it. I would not put my money on MTSU. <laughs> okay I, I, have a funny, I have a funny story about the middle tennessee state football team so when i was there they actually were like really good they went to they went like they had like one loss and went to a bowl game or something um which yeah that's a big deal for them to go to a bowl um right I, I, when you're a school that small you have to be you have to have like two losses or something or like three losses to for a bowl to even want you to come um, otherwise it's like not even worth their time I guess they would rather have like a six loss team from a power five school so uh, anyway they were really good they had this quarterback named Dwight Dasher and uh, I think he was coming back for his next year for his senior year and he was suspended for gambling at the Veterans Affairs <laughs> Hospital <at> the VA <laughs> Hospital <He> was gambling. <laughs> I, and it, apparently this was happening um, like while they were like going there for a, you know, for like a, you know, pr- uh, not promotional, but just for like a charity event or something like that mm-hmm. to go, you know, spend some time with the with the troops because MTSU respects the troops. Of course. Of course. So much so and, that they, you know, they like to play some poker. Yeah. All he was doing was gambling to own the libs. That's what this was. <laughs> You should have been rewarded for that, god dang it. Anyway, there's your MTSU fun fact. Go Raiders. Raider up. Raider up. And go dogs. Tyler Simmons was on sides. Alrighty, Sir Patrick. We're doing oh yeah, this is a post-game show. We're doing shout-outs. That's right. Shout out to Lucy Dacus, 
or Dacus, I think, Phoebe Bridgers, Julian Baker, Mitski, Saba, Kyle Morton, Jeff Tweedy, Stephen Malkmus, John Darnell, and to LeVar Burton. I know you're listening. Uh, that, that is MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University alumnus Julian Baker, I might add. Oh, that's right. Very cool. Shout out Jorge Thieler. Shout out Justin Belhui. Shout out Boy Scouts of America. Shout out Kevin Egan, Julian Sakovitz, and Dan Gargan. Very nice. Very nice. We will have a some kind of show to you during this off week that is probably just an interview and stuff like that. We'll do something fun. We'll have something fun for this, this off week since we do have two goddamn weeks to kind of marinate in this loss once again. Uh, gotta love the MLS schedule. Uh, but yeah, got a little bit of time off. We'll get some fun content to you guys for that and then maybe a preview up for Colorado, which the preview may last much like Orlando City one did in that Colorado is just basic trash and we don't really need much more than that. So yeah, we'll see. We'll let you know. Follow us at Twitter. Find out more about that at Five Strike Final. Follow me on Twitter at J underscore Sam Jones and follow Joe Patrick on Twitter at J.A. Patrick 200, not 2000, 200. Oh, and follow Dirty South Soccer for all your daily Atlanta United content needs. Plenty of them. We can fulfill them. We can we can satisfy you in so many ways. In so many ways. At Dirty South Sock. Mm-hmm. There's there's lots of comments to be to be had there. To be had there. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Let it let it let's get out of here. This is this is this is terrible. <laughs> Bye, what was worse? Atlanta United or this show? This show, English Dump. Bye, y'all. See ya.